when we first moved here from this spectacular area of the uh, sort of western part of uh, the greater Boston area. We were driving up 91 from Northampton to Greenfield, and we were struck by, where are all the cars? It was fantastic. After being in, you know, all these commutes and store drive into Boston and all that. So the great thing about 413 is fewer cars, more stars. We want to know what you think is fabulous or not so fabulous about the 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. Welcome to the very first episode of the Fabulous 413. That was a voice memo that we got from Amy Melbin about what Amy thinks is fabulous about this area. We've gotten lots of emails and comments about your thoughts on the area, but we wanted to call... Well, we wanted to call the show the 413, but for copyright reasons, we were not allowed to. (laughs) So we called it the Fabulous 413 because we do think that this place is fabulous. Both of us grew up in the Boston area and transplanted out here eventually. I remember for the f- the first year I moved out here, uh, going to get my very first farm share at Riverland Farm in Sunderland. Going to a farm every day was so out of things that I had ever experienced before that I I thought I would fall in, I fell in love with this place. And Northampton, which I spent a lot of time in, was like a mini Cambridge with better parking. Yeah. And I thought, I, I could live here for the rest of my life. What do you think is fabulous about the 413, Khalees? I mean, there's a lot that's fabulous about the 413. If we're talking about first places we lived, there was a donkey and a horse at the first place I lived in Western right. Mass. Hard to find a donkey and a horse yeah, in and, your neighborhood in Dorchester. Eventually, a llama farm moved in down the road. But, you know, that's how it goes in the 413. You stay in one place long enough and a llama farm arrives. <laughs> we want to know what you think is fabulous about the 413, or maybe not so fabulous. Later in the show, you can call 1-800-639-9120 and let us know what you think. Coming up, Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan playing chess with fans in Greenfield. Our first guest, however, on the 413 is Governor Maura Healy, who we pulled away from a crowded tour of the Ludlow Mills on her first trip to Western Mass. Yeah, so this is our uh, new show that's starting on New England Public Media, which oh, is great. WGBH's yeah, yeah. public radio affiliate yeah, yeah. in Western Mass. Sure, so. sure, we know it well. It's great. Yeah. This is yeah, our right. first real interview no for kidding. our first show. We're both oh. radio hosts in the area who yeah. transitioned to a okay. new job. Not Back unlike you, huh? a well-known. Yeah. <laughs> You're a lot more well-known, but yeah. we're somewhat well-known yeah. in our field and transitioning. And, um, you know, this is our first yeah. interview. It's your first time no as governor. No, that's great. Out here in Western Mass, but firsts are a big yeah. part of, yeah. of what you've just experienced. The weight of firsts being the first elected female governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the first gay governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, as you are now at least a few weeks into uh, your time as governor, does that weight of history factor in as you go through your job as governor, or is it something that sits in the back of your mind? It's there, you know, it's there because I'm somebody who firmly believes that representation matters, that seeing is believing, that it's really important that we do all that we can to make sure that people who are in office, elected to serve the people, really reflect the diversity of the people that they are there to to represent. And so I'm certainly mindful of that. I am mindful of it when I meet young girls uh, as I'm out and about on uh, doing my job or you know kids or, or others in the LGBTQ community who come up to me and say it's really great to have you in that role and we're so excited to meet you 
because I do represent something different. And I represent, I think, hopefully, what's possible. You know, I hope to be not just the first, uh, I hope to, to make sure I'm not the last and, and that there are many more who, who follow. When I first met you in my other radio gig, you were running for attorney general, and Northampton seemed to be one of the places where that campaign got its start. So Western Mass has been a part of your uh, aspirations electorally. And even then, people were saying, just wait, she's going to be the governor of the Commonwealth of the United States. <laughs> when did it become something for you where you said, not only do I want to represent the people as the sort of chief law enforcement officer as the attorney general, but as their governor? Well, I announced about a year ago now, and you know, I have to say, I've loved, I loved being attorney general. I love being the people's lawyer. I'm really proud of the work that we did in that office, uh, representing people, standing up on so many fronts, uh, standing strong, particularly in the years where we had uh, a president who was uh, doing things that really hurt our residents and hurt our communities. Uh, I'm proud of the relief that we brought to consumers and to, to, to ratepayers and to workers. I'm proud of our civil rights work. I made the decision about a year ago to run because I thought I had the skills and experience to deliver results for the state. And specifically, you know, I understand the importance of teamwork. And so the opportunity to work as governor, but with a, a terrific and strong lieutenant governor, with members of the legislature, with people outside of government as well, the business community, our, our nonprofit community, um, that is what has excited me. And also, I'm somebody who, I just love this state. You know, I love this state, and I think that we have so much going for us, and I'm proud to be uh, leading the state that was home to the country's first public library, public park, uh, yes, first basketball game, but so much more, the home to universal health care, right, marriage equality. And, you know, I think in this time, it's really important that Massachusetts uh, continue to lead this country. When you look at some of the divisiveness and the vitriol and the hate and the ugliness out there, you know, we can stand for and represent something else. I also know the hardships that people are facing around the state, particularly around affordability, and that's something that I'm really, really, really focused on. Um, but it's it's an unlikely journey. I can tell you I never imagined that I'd grow up to be a politician, that I'd run for office, but things just sort of happened for me along the way, and I feel incredibly grateful and privileged to be in this position. We asked people who we follow us on social media, and we asked the news department at New England Public Media what questions they would ask of you on this, your first journey as governor to Western Mass. And uh, a lot of different issues came up about ways to make Mass whole. Sarah from Shelburne Falls says, how do we let small town and rural residents know about how to advocate for services in both local and statewide ways? And will your administration be setting up some more regional shops in underserved places for people to uh, help get the word out. Absolutely, Sarah. You know, I'm somebody who grew up in a small town in a rural community in, in New Hampshire. And, you know, one of the things we're really paying attention to is developing a rural agenda, a rural economic agenda. Um, and we're going to have some real strong leadership there. You know, I think that in general, we need to, as a matter of economic development, recognize the incredible vibrancy, the incredible economic opportunity, mobility our small businesses bring to communities, to neighborhoods, to towns, to regions. And we're going to do everything in this administration to support those businesses. And I just give it up to, to so many who have had the resilience, found ways to innovate and survive during the course of this, this terrible uh, pandemic. And, you know, I come out of it and come through it with an absolute commitment to delivering those kinds of resources. 
well, I think people are eager for that. It was clear when we put the word out that you were coming and that people could have access to you via these means. So hopefully this won't be the first conversation. I mean, the yeah, last well, conversation that we no, had. No, not at all. Yeah. This is what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elise, you have a question? So um, a question that was asked by one of our colleagues at NEPM was about childcare subsidies from the state are lower in Western Mass than in other parts of the state. Childcare providers receive state reimbursement based on their region, on the age of the child and type of care. For example, a childcare center in Western Mass gets about $66 a day to care for an infant, but a center in Metro West in Boston gets about 90. There's certain inequities there that I think a lot of our questions ended up being concerned about. I know you're building a plan but are there certain specifics that you could share with the population of, of Western Mass? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I love Western Massachusetts. I, I started my campaign for attorney general in, in Western Massachusetts, and I spent a lot of time um, throughout Western Massachusetts, and I'm very sensitive to the disparities that exist, and uh, we need to do everything we can to address that. So I'll say a couple things. One, child care, nobody's funded enough, okay? <laughs> it's why I propose increasing funding big time for child care centers and for providers because too many people are leaving the field, too many centers are closing, and too many people, too many families are on wait lists. And the other thing I'd say is we need to address issues of, of disparity. It's a matter of fairness, and the disparities that exist between the eastern part of the state and the western part of the state are not right. And it goes beyond childcare. It obviously relates to housing investments, transportation and transit investments, um, healthcare investments, and the like. We could go on. So that's something we're really attentive to. I will have a super strong uh, director in our Western Massachusetts office. It's just something that we are, both Kim Driscoll and myself are really committed to. One of the other big things that uh, seemed to come up with the listeners was special education and funding for special education and a burden on uh, specifically parents who have children with IEPs, children with special needs, and the IDEA law that authorizes reimbursement for private special education services when public schools fail to provide that and inequitable reimbursement. Is your administration planning on doing anything either with the fair share amendment money that will now soon become available or other means to try to close that gap when it comes to parents who have kids with special needs in the public school system? Well, let me just offer a, a few things. One, um, you know, I'm a civil rights lawyer by training, and I appreciate what students and family members go through in terms of challenges accessing the kind of education that, that they deserve and that they need. And so I will look into that further in terms of what our administration can do to help those families. I will also tell you that when it comes to revenue from the Fair Share Amendment, my administration is committed to making sure that that revenue is going to education and transportation. That reflects the will of the voters. That's what should happen. Across the whole Commonwealth? Because that's the other perception Absolutely. that Beacon Hill, no. Boston gets uh, the lion's share no. of those dollars. No, across the entire Commonwealth. And I think, you know, when I was running for governor, I really made an effort to make clear that I wanted to be a governor for the whole state. And you'll see that. You'll see that in, in the work and the policies out of our administration. You'll see that in our budget filing, which will be uh, a couple months from now. It's really, really important. And our destiny is tied to one another. That's what makes us a commonwealth. In this, in this moment, you know, Massachusetts, Massachusetts will not succeed if Western Massachusetts is not su succeeding. And my job as governor is to make sure that I'm doing everything I can through our proposals, through our policies, through the work of our agencies, 
to make sure that Western Massachusetts is getting what it deserves. Coming up, more with Governor Mara Healy on what got her choked up during her inaugural speech, on who she requested to play music for her inaugural ball, and on whether or not we can convince her to take questions from the 413 on the regular. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on New England Public Media. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Here's more of our conversation with Governor Maura Healy during her recent trip to Ludlow as she talks of her stealthy grandmother and immigration reform. During your inaugural speech, uh, there were some great moments about your grandmother taking soil and putting it under the table where you were born so that you were born <laughs> on Commonwealth soil. Yeah, the, your listeners might need to understand. I was actually <laughs> born at a hospital, Naval Hospital in, in Maryland, but my grandmother... Was, was concerned that I wasn't going to be born in Massachusetts. So, yes, she snuck into the delivery room of Massachusetts soil. and What soil did she Snuck it under the bed. From a family woodlot, actually. What, in what um, town? In, in Byfield, Massachusetts, uh-huh. near Newbury, Massachusetts, which is where my family's from. So And your family, my, your parents met in Gloucester? My grandparents met in oh, Gloucester. Grandparents. My grandparents met in Gloucester. My parents were both raised in Newburyport. And though my brothers and sisters and I all grew up just over the border um, by Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, all of us live in Massachusetts now, and you know Massachusetts is, is really home. Did you ever have a Boston accent? I think, no. Which no, is funny, because um, Boston, Newburyport, even yeah, Hampton Beach. I think maybe Boston the accent. New Hampshire thing sort of, you know, mitigated against that. Uh, I'm not sure. Another one of the moments during your inaugural address that really touched me was it seemed like you got choked up when you started to talk about uh, people who have immigrated here. And yeah. while you were attorney general, uh, you sued the Trump administration many times, largely over immigration issues. And one of the people who reached out to ask a question of you is named Irida Kaktiranova, who fled Putin's Russia mm. and lived in a church in Northampton for three years in sanctuary during mm-hmm. that period of time. And she wants to know um, what you think of the immigration laws currently where they stand and whether she'll have a team like Representative Jim McGovern, who represents her out here on the federal level, uh, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Markey, to assist those that need governor's support for immigration purposes. We've seen a lot of other governors playing games with, uh, with human beings for immigration purposes. What's your take on it? And what made you pause at that moment during the inaugural address? I did choke up. <laughs> I think about, in this moment, I think about I think about the people who are arriving in Massachusetts today just today, to make a go of it, to make a better world for themselves and their kids. Their hopes echo back through our own history. Their dreams are the dreams of those who came before me, before us, to live in freedom and equality, in safety and in happiness, to go forward with grateful hearts and pursue the blessings of life. Those are the words of our state constitution, perhaps the proudest of our many firsts. You know, I think about the mother who, um, who I hugged and, and held in my arms years ago. She had fled a terrible situation in Guatemala with her daughter and made it over the border and then was separated from, from her daughter and ultimately reunited in Massachusetts. But, you know, um, my heart goes out to these families who are risking literally life and limb simply for the opportunity for a better life for their kids. And 
I'm proud of the way that Massachusetts has responded to the migrants arriving here. It disgusts me when I see certain politicians and other governors looking to weaponize our young people, families, um, through, through some of what they've done. I think we need to continue to be strong here in Massachusetts, support migrants, um, and it requires a lot of communication too between federal, state, and local officials because as families come into communities, as migrants come into communities, we want to make sure as an administration that those communities are supported because there is a cost. There is a, um, a cost on, on when it comes to housing and, and schools and the like. And, you know, the state should be there making sure that we're supporting the communities who are, um, who are now um, home to, to some of these families. We also need to work on immigration reform. And if we had immigration reform, we would have an ability for more people who've come here to actually work, which is what they want to do. So, you know, I, I, I definitely choked up um, because I'm, 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 you know, I'm really sensitive to the humanity of, of the situation and, and what that calls out. Did you have more questions, please, before we... I mean, I have my kung fu question, but... Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so we had another local resident, Tom Papalardo, who is a local graphic artist and writer, ask for your choice between Jackie Chan and Sammy Ho. Sammo Hung. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jackie Chan. Maybe the wrong answer, but I need to know a little bit more about Sammy. Sammo, yeah. He's a great Sammo? director. Okay. Legendary okay. Kung Fu actor. Okay, okay. <laughs> Kung Fu may not be your wheelhouse, but you are a fan of the arts we hear. I am. And Brandy Carlisle was at your inauguration she as was. well. So tell me how that seemed like a surprise to me. Both Kalise and I came out of music radio where Brandy Carlisle was a mainstay of the of the playlist. How did how did that all come about? Uh, I, my team reached out to her because I wanted her if somebody, Did you request her as basically? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I'm a huge Brandy Carlisle fan. Um, you know, as a gay woman, having been elected, I thought you know, it'd be really cool to have her come and play um, as a gay woman. And, and she's somebody who's been a leader, too, when it comes to speaking out on issues of equality and, and fighting discrimination and, and really standing up for folks who are more marginalized. And it was super cool to have her come and play. She also, I know, was married in Massachusetts. She came to Massachusetts to, to, to get married. And so, you know, she I know that Massachusetts means something to her as well so it was just uh it was super cool we had a party at the boston garden yeah, which was fun. a lot of fun as a former basketball player to be able to do something at, at the garden and uh the lieutenant governor and i we both played college basketball yeah we had we had a lot of fun and what was also really cool about it it was super cool to have brandy carlisle play of course but a reason we wanted to do it at the garden is because we really wanted it to be open to everybody, you know, and to look across the floor and see people who hadn't been in those rooms before, people who maybe hadn't been to a political event before, uh, to see the diversity, you know, um, in all forms reflected in that arena. It was super cool, you know, and, and hopefully helped set the tone for the kind of administration we want to lead. Well, knowing how much you love basketball, first of all, I hope you'll follow and 
Charlie Baker's footsteps and become the head of the uh, NCAA eventually, so he can really focus on I, basketball when I, we're done. Uh, yeah, I, I hope not, because I hope he's able to fix it. I, <laughs> I have confidence if anyone can, you know, he he, he can. And I, my original pitch was to go through the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield with you, and then maybe like shoot some hoops. Let's so do it. We got to do that. Let's as, do in it. A future you episode. Destroy us. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, I'm terrible no, at basketball, no. and I know nothing about yeah. basketball. So it'd be good to go with somebody who's a huge fan. And uh, my last thing is just. Thank you for taking this time. And as you can see from the myriad questions, I didn't even get come close to being able to ask. People in Western Mass want to hear from you. So as much you want to come out here or get on the phone and answer the questions of these people that they want to hear from their governor. So. Well, I would love to. Um, I would love to answer more questions, continue the conversation, and really just uh, love when I get to 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 visit Western Massachusetts. Um, all over Northern Berkshire, Southern Berkshire, Hamden, Franklin. Valley, Hampshire, you know, it's it's just great. And I think that, you know, for somebody who believes so much in the state, I appreciate the arts and culture, tourism, the history, the beauty, um, the industry, too, uh, reflected in, in this region. It's it's a special, special place. And, and we're going to be a team that's going to work to do everything we can to support that, to grow opportunity, while also, you know, deal with the real challenges. And we talked about affordability, lack of access to affordable housing, transit, and the like. There's a lot of work we have to do, but we're, we're up for it and excited for it. Well, we're looking forward to having you back. Thanks so much. Great. All right. Thank you. Our first conversation with Governor Maura Healy. Thanks to her and her team for joining us, and we hope they will again soon. Later in the show, what do you think is fabulous, or maybe not so fabulous, about life in the 413? You can call 1-800-639-9120. That's 1-800-639-9120. Western Mass, I mean, it's home for me, but I mean, shoot, it's cold, but I don't really know much to say. It's just home. Like, I love it. You get to meet a lot of great people, and not only that, like, People will, like, try and downplay it and be like, yeah, it's not like New York where you're going to get this or that, but, like, there's some unique things over here where you could do stuff that you probably wouldn't get somewhere else, you know, in a lot of community that you wouldn't get nowhere else. So, I mean, yeah. PVPA student Jeremiah telling us why he loves Western Mass. So cute. He is cute. So cute. From the governor to Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan, coming up, Monty talks with Jizza about why he wanted to play chess with his fans at a club in Greenfield, Massachusetts. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. One guy came downstairs claiming he beat Jizza already. Yeah. No, he did. Yeah, yeah. Did he win? Uh, I think so. Yeah. He, he came down like celebrating and saying that Jizza came to Greenfield and got a it's like the Highlander, you can only, there can only be one. Hawks and Reed, a club in downtown Greenfield, is building a Western Mass hip-hop scene. At a recent sold-out show, Jizza, the genius from the legendary Staten Island hip-hop group, the Wu-Tang Clan, spent his time before and after his show playing his most devoted fans in chess. And Monty Belmonte was there. Jeremy Goldshire from Green Space Co-Work. Green Space Co-Work, Ashfield Mass, born and raised. Happy to be here. And this is your family's building. Your dad and your brother are all involved in Hawks and Reed. Here. Yeah, but today it's the Wu-Tang Palace. On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Just here to, to bow at the, you know, the feet of the master. It's pretty cool that for a VIP experience, you can come and play Jizza, the genius, in chess. So are you good at chess? 
I came here to win. I'm walking away part of the clan, I think, if okay. I win this yeah, game. The clan is huge. It's always expanding and contracting, so it's really hard to know. Are you going to be here to play chess, buddy? Uh, no, I'm just going to watch my dad play. How's it going? Good I'm to see you. Watch him win. Yeah, that's good confidence. June French, Greenfield, Mass. Do you got a chess strategy playing against Jizza? No, nah, man, I'm just here to have a good time. Oh, no. Okay, good. We're making memories, bro. Take the middle of the board, that's what I heard. What about you, Monty? Are you hoping to, are you hoping to win this match? I, I'm not going to play chess. I'm going to watch you. You're my avatar, right. Jeremy. Oh, okay, okay. You've got to play him. Next up, who's up for chess? Who's up next? My family? Yeah. My family, yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for being here. All right, yeah. How's your yeah. game go? I lost, but, you know, I, I don't normally play pretty many games. Three minutes on each side, so you got to think fast. Oh, damn. I made some pretty dumb rookie mistakes. Are rookie mistakes mistakes you made with your rook? That's good. Thank you. <laughs> so you're Randy Blaze? Yes. B-R-A-N-D-I-E-B-L-A-C-E. -E. Yes. Oh, and you, you spelled it right, it right too. You worked it right into to your rap. And you're out, you're from Dorchester. I am. My co-host, who isn't here with us tonight, is from Dorchester. I was born in Dorchester. Chris is going to play chess against Jizzes from Dorchester. So Dorchester's representing in Greenfield. I mean, Dorchester always goes everywhere heavy. And you're playing Boston Con. I am. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> very nervous. A, have you done a big festival like that before? No, my first festival. Tell me about hip hop in Massachusetts. Even if you go back, you know, to Ed OG, you know, Almighty Earth, so like, there's so much history of hip hop. The source started in Boston. Like, I think like this new generation of rappers, especially female rappers, is really like pushing the culture forward. And I'm just really excited to be a part of it. Well, it's cool because Hawks and Reed, where you're at right now in Greenfield, is trying to form itself into a hip hop hub. Like you said, there's just so much here and history here that to me, I think everyone's just now like catching to it, but to me, I'm like, this is my whole yeah. life. Boston rap has always been a thing for me. I want more females to talk about a female perspective about growing up in hip hop and growing up in the arts and growing up in the world in general because there's so many men that dominate. What's your name and where are you from? Natasha, I'm from Hoyle. Yes. There's so many men that dominate the genre where I'm saying, like, I want a female to talk about it from a female perspective. Especially female rappers from Boston, like, I could name so many that spit harder than me. I mean, I know I have bars, but it just makes me want to do better. But Your I think beats about, were pretty killer, though. Thank you. Yeah. I think Oompa, Red Shades, um, those are like my top two female rappers out of Boston to me, like, period ever because they're just monsters and like i said i could name female rappers for like probably 15 minutes that are from boston and then go out into massachusetts like there's right. a lot of us and i think what's beautiful about us and i think maybe something that was kind of missing from boston before is like the camaraderie of we all know each other and we all support each other so any door that's open for me i make sure that my sisters come through the door behind me i hope like everyone just supports what we're trying to do and yeah, you know, but the bars is the first and the foremost. I'm sorry, the girls of Boston is killing it right now. <laughs> the guy who's on stage right now is a city councilor in Northampton. Get the out of here. Force is his name on stage, but Garrick Perry is his city councilor name. I'm gonna record you for the radio. Okay. These are all the people that are gonna play chess against Jizza. Oh yeah, you were excellent. Thank you, man. What's your name? Jackson Whalen. And where are you from? I'm from Western Mass, Berkshire County. Where? Great Barrington, Housatonic. That was yeah. amazing that you, uh, you set a whiteboard around the audience. Everybody in the audience got to write whatever they wanted on that board. And then you freestyled around all those words. Incredible. It's I like love doing chess. that, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. it's this mind gymnastics. Yeah, you always have to kind of be like a couple lines ahead of what you're saying yeah. in What's, your head. Is there a trick that you go to? Like something that feels very comfortable? Yeah. A game of chess is like a sword fight. 
You must think first. I... Before you move. There's a word on the board, and if you do that word first, then it's not as exciting as if you do other words and then lead up to that. So that's where the payoff, and it also brings people in in a way where they're involved, and it's almost like the crowd is creating the the verse. You know? Well, it, it's it feels like a magic trick when you watch it, and you just kill. Cool it. man. So well, good. Now force. I know him as Force, and then he gets elected to the Northampton City Council, and everybody has to call him Councillor Garrick Perry, but you were just up on stage killing it. Was that your brother? That was. That's my actual brother. He goes by Catalyst. Iran is his real name. Uh, it's awesome. Like I, he, he moved up here from Maryland, where I'm from, a number of years ago, and it's been phenomenal to have him here and, and to share the stage. It's the first time doing a Force and Catalyst set. You know, I'm so like, glad I got to witness it. How is it. You finding it easy to balance the hip-hop life with the city council in Northampton line? Well, I don't know if easy is the correct term, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing about this life is ever easy. Yeah. I remember working, I, I used to work at Sylvester's back in the day, so I would uh, work morning shifts, be there at 6 o'clock in the morning, but then be out with the alchemists on the road yeah. to 4, do the two-hour sleep, drink some espressos, and do that. But really, what gets me is that I love this. This is It's cool seeing people like Jackson, Intellect, like this. This is family. Tell me about what you think about the hip-hop scene in Western Mass, you too. It's cool that Hawks and Reed is trying to establish itself as sort of a hip-hop hub. What's your take on hip-hop writ large, West or Worcester? Man, that's a wonderful question. I think like the more that we can do things like this and link up with each other, the better. Where I'm at, <laughs> it's, it's nice to come out here because there is a scene. There are people like Forrest bringing people together. And uh, yeah, shout out to Ben for putting together the lineup. Did you win against Jizza? No. Yeah. I lost. <laughs> <laughs> it only got three minutes to make an impression, so, you know. Yeah. Dang it. Maybe next time. Yeah. I, I think, uh, just to, to answer your question, I, I think this is a natural progression. You know, when I, when I came here, there wasn't a lot of hip-hop, and it's been good to see it build over the years, uh, whether it's from the Problematics. I remember Natural Mystics were here, their, uh, Mass Pike. There, there's a history of, of hip-hop in the area. I'm glad that Ben and these guys are, are kind of pushing it forward in a place that feels like community. You know, that, that's the best part about it. And weirdo events like, oh yeah, for a VIP experience, Jizz is going to play chess with Jizz. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Family is coming out here. Do you beat Jizz? Yeah, I beat him. Yeah. How do you oh. feel? How do you feel? Feel great, man. Your kids like, got I, to witness you beat Jizz? I wasn't going to lose in front of my kids. Yeah. How do you feel about your dad now? Great. I wasn't gonna lose also, in front he of my got kids. him stuck in the middle of the match. He didn't know what to do. He's now a member of Wu-Tang. I think that's officially what happens. If you beat Jizz, you're a new member. So this is his band. So if you want to talk to that. Oh, cool. Kind of getting all the behind the scenes. Yeah, I love this. So everybody, this is Monty. Monty. Hey. I'm a radio host. I'm recording. I hope that's okay. We're going to do a piece on hip-hop here and about this show and all that. What's your name? Jabril. I'm Ramsey Jones. My name is Intifada, God of Sound. Nice. And are you all... Oh, we got another band member over here. Fair none. Fair none. You're the live band for Jizzo when he's going to be out on stage. Nomads. The Funky Nomads? Yes. Where are you all from? Brooklyn, Queens. So, New York so, City. New York, New York City, City, just like Wu-Tang itself. Yeah. What's the experience like for people that are used to seeing or hearing Jizza or Wu-Tang with tracks when a band comes out and backs them up? Do you, does, is there a different type of energy that you see? It definitely is, because it's, it's more like uh, natural for us yes. to play with him and, and kind of vibe off what the audience give us, the energy that they give us. Right. Rather than having a static track playing. Does it change up night to night a little bit? Like, is it does it feel more like a jazz type thing where like something no, may no. come out of nowhere? It's like a play. Uh-huh. It's a play. It's everything, everything is cued. 
Do you like it that way? Um, yes. Part of it is that we're playing the record. Right. So it's live, but it sounds like the record. Yeah. Are you gonna do the entire Liquid Swords? Is that yes. what you're doing? Yes. yes. So that's incredible. It sounds like the record, but it's live. What do you think it is about Liquid Swords, the album, Jizza and Wu-Tang? Enter the Wu-Tang is gonna turn 30 this year. Yeah. What is it about that era and Wu-Tang that has endured? It's Black History Month, and now we're, we're like living black history of this thing that happened 30 years ago that's still so important to so many people. Well, one thing I want to say, black history is 365 days a year. Black history period. But I think that just the vitality of the al of those two albums, iconic albums, it still holds today, the, the, the energy from what they gave on those records. I mean, it's still, it's still you can feel it, what it sounded like then. You can, you can still feel that energy today when you listen to it. I mean, it has a, it still holds up. Were you fans of Wu-Tang and Jizza before you were his band? <laughs> <laughs> well, Riz and Jizza are my cousins. I was gonna say you look a little bit like him, but I didn't want yeah, to be rude. Yeah, well, <laughs> on, my, on my father's side, Riz and Jizza on my father's side. My uh -huh. brother is Old Dirty Bastard. He's my youngest oh brother. Oh my God. Yeah, so I'm, I play on those records. Oh wow, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for your are... loss. It was a loss for all of the world, really. Thank you. I, yeah. And I know him since I seven yeah uh-huh so, so you guys are just our family, family. So you're yeah fans family. because you have to be because you're well, family we, 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 <laughs> we, grew we, grew up, we grew up i can tell you the, the um the precursors to all of it yeah when you watch that show the hulu show what do you think it's our time wu-tang versus the world i remember the correlation from growing up the family and what happened in the show as opposed to what happened actually in real happened. Life, in real life. So how yeah. true does the show feel to you it, when it's, you watch it's, it? It's, it's, RZA is, is closely in the writing, so it's pretty close. Uh-huh. Raekwon and Ghostface didn't really want to kill each other though, did they? Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will Monty finally get to have an audience with Jizza the Genius? Will you get to hear the sweet cadence of that Northampton City Councilor? And why is building a local hip-hop scene important to the folks at Hawks and Reed and Greenfield? Coming up, more from The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. Later in the show, what do you think is fabulous or not so fabulous about life in the 413? Call 1-800-639-9120. Call one 800-639-9120. Meanwhile, Monty Belmonte is inside Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center in Greenfield, where he's trying to make it into the inner sanctum of hip-hop legend Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan, who is challenging all comers at chess. One thing Wu-Tang is famous for is weaving kung fu movie samples and themes into their music. Monty asked Jizza's cousin, Ramsey Jones, who is ODB's brother, by the way, if he was part of that 70s and 80s New York City kung fu movie scene. Was anybody part of the um, the kung fu movie watching scene that kind of inspired oh, yeah, all yeah, of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, I'm also a huge kung fu movie. Yeah, 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 me too. So I'm wearing a Shaw. Yeah, I have a Shaw Brothers shirt on. Oh, there's a guy with a sweatshirt on too. So I went up to him and lifted up my shirt. But yeah, favorite favorite kung fu movies? Yeah, uh, man, me, oh, my, my, well. Uh, the, the return to the 36 cha no, we're 36 chambers. Gordon Liu. Five Deadly Venoms. Stone Cold Classic. So we used to go to 42nd Street in Times Square like in the late 70s yeah. and see all of the uh, kung fu movies in a strip. Those were the days. And then we watched the uh, kung fu cinema on Channel 5 yeah. on Saturday. 
Saturday. So RZA would come over to my house and we would watch it together, the whole family. During the summer of the pandemic, when everything was shut down, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip up carpet and nail down hardwood floors in my house. And I put on Enter the Wu-Tang while I'm nailing it. I was like, you know what I wanna do? I wanna go back and find all of these kung fu movies that you hear little clips from as a kid. And I've gone through now, I've watched 160 kung fu movies since I started nailing that floor in, so. It's been a thing. Shaolin shadow boxing and the Wu-Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu-Tang sword can defeat me? On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring them, Ruckus! Bring them, All right, you were the Jizz's last game. What's your name, where are you from? I'm Corium from Gill. Did you win? I did. A lot of people beat him. Uh, I think a lot of people lied because you said only one did. But, <laughs> but more than one said they beat him. That's true. Now how are we going to figure this out? We have to ask the man himself. You even brought a book of chess. Did you get him to sign it? Yeah, yeah, I got him to sign it, yeah. What did he write? He just wrote Jizzes. Oh, Jizzes, there you go. Ben Goldscher, you're kind of the visionary when it comes to trying to bring hip-hop to Hawks and Reed. Like, this is a passion of yours, and you've been very successful about it. Why? I think, first of all, I love the music, and I love the scene behind it. It started with local hip-hop like the kids who were doing it hawks and reed we started putting on shows and it was my friends who were bringing it in and we kind of built from there we slowly brought in bigger acts we the first bigger act we brought in was bizarre from d12 right and it was a sunday and we weren't sure where we gonna make it work is it gonna work and we had like 150 people come and we we're like wow this actually this is happening let's make it happen and Slowly from there, we just networked and have met some amazing people and uh, been able to bring some cool hip-hop to this, to this town. What's your name? Henry. I'm from Hudson, Massachusetts. You are a young rapper yourself. Yeah. 16 years old. Yeah. And Jizza's your favorite. Yeah. You drove out an, I, hour, an hour and a half to come see him. Yeah, I've got, I've got a few favorites. He's definitely top five. Yeah, why? Because of his intricate style and his incorporation of martial arts. Yes. It's great that you might get to meet your mentor. It's my move, right? Yes. Okay, I gotta put the pressure up on you now. Because now is the time. But see, if I take that and take that, that opens me up for a lot of damage. But I'm gonna do it anyway. So if you take this, that's check. I did that to myself, but it's okay. I'm gonna go here. Now, if you did this, now the bishop is he gotta run somewhere. He might hear run there though. You gotta, you, you gotta get an advantage, you know? Jizza took so much time mentoring Henry, not only in the world of chess, but in the world of hip hop, and even exchanged contacts with Henry's dad so that they can keep in touch after the show. Henry lost to Jizza but I got to watch as Jeremy Goldshire from Hawks and Reed played Jizza in the final game of the night. The Jizza happened to take note of my green sweater that had two prominent felines on each shoulder. I like this, I like it. Thanks. The sleeves. Oh, thank you, man. Cheetahs or leopards? Uh, I think they're cheetahs, and then I got my uh, I can never tell. Me either. One is, one is dog print, and the other is just circles, right? Yeah, this is circles, and I think that's cheetah, right? Cheetah. And I think the leopards have spots, right? Jeremy Goldshire and the Jizza are going at it fast. Speed style. It's neck and neck. Jeremy Goldshire beat the Jizza. 
You can come over here. Okay. Jizza, the genius here at Hawks yeah, and Reed in Greenfield. You have played, I don't know how many games of chess with people today. Why is chess the way you want to interact with your most hardcore fans? You know, because I play chess every day. It's something that I'm used to. It's something that I'm accustomed to. I play every day. I play all day, every day, and I love doing it, so I don't mind playing chess. When did you get introduced to chess, and why is it something important to you? I learned the game when I was a child. But I never played. And then I was reintroduced to the game through, with Master Killer. Master Killer really introduced me to the game. And I, I never played a game of chess until I got out with him. Is he, I, is I, he a master? Would he beat you? Or have you, you played we so We go much back now? and forth. I wouldn't say he's a master. I mean, I don't know. We, I mean, none of us has been officially ranked, rated, or ranked. But we go back and forth. Him, myself, and Rizzo, sometimes he wins, sometimes I win, sometimes Rizzo wins. But some of us, we have different skills and, and, and different styles. So you do know? you do it as a way to connect with your fans? Like I saw you take a 16-year-old kid who drove an hour and a half here because he is inspired by you as an MC, and you didn't do the six-minute quick games. You played a whole very long game with him. That was amazing. I did because he was one of the last people playing. The time was out way long ago. But sometimes if it goes that fast, I have to give him a break. And... um. I gave him a break. You're better than you think, I think. You beat almost everybody here. And I love how I mean, much chess comes into both the Wu-Tang stuff with the Kung Fu, the mystery of chess box. You have like a whole album that's titled right. after chess. Right. I see you using an old style. I wondered where you learned it from. You know very well. It's yours too. I said two. What's your favorite kung fu flick? My favorite kung fu flick? Yeah. I don't know. It's probably a Bruce Lee. Maybe Bruce Lee. Maybe Into the Dragon. I don't know. It's a hard question. It's like asking me, what's your favorite song? Right. What's your favorite song? No, I won't ask. I don't. But it's amazing to see. You got. You know, we're in rural Western Mass, mostly white kids down there that practically know every single word of Liquid Swords, and then you're doing the songs from Enter the Wu Tang. That's. This is this year will be the 30 years since that album came out. What do you think makes that an enduring hip hop album that 30 think, years on? We I think the timing was right. The timing was perfect. I just think people were ready for that. I just think Wu was just a strong force that's undeniable. As we know, Wu Tang is for the children, and you took this time to mentor this kid, and you've mentored people in the world of science with hip hop over the years. Science is something that you care deeply about. Of course, because science is the in-depth study of learning about yourself and your surroundings and what's around you. If you don't study science, you won't learn it. You have to. You have to get into the science of it to know what the f*** you are. We are scientists by nature, not by trade. I am. I'm a scientist by nature because it's built in me. But I'm learning by nature. I just think it's something that we should all grasp. We should all be have a deeper sense of learning and meaning to ourselves. We shouldn't just, just brush it off. We should all be learning something. And science is one of those things where, okay, you got to learn. You got to learn. You want to learn about how the eyes see, how the glasses don't see, or how the glasses see, how the eyes don't. You got to get into the science of it. You got to get into the bifocals, the microscopic lenses of it 
figure out what the fuck is going on. Is learning about the cheetah and the leopard. I'm wearing a cheetah you know, and leopard shirt. We were just, you know, we the science. Know it's a Remember, we was like, what, what cheetah is it? The, the circles or is it the dog prints? We had to learn about it. So the chest keeps your mind sharp. Always. Thanks to Jizza and the team at Hawks and Reed. Hawks and Reed have a game and vinyl night tonight, featuring a Catan tournament. Uh. Khalees, a game nerd, but not a fan of that particular game. The final season of the Wu-Tang Hulu show is out right now. Plus, Chuck D's Fight the Power, How Hip-Hop Changed the World documentary continues tonight at 9 on NEPM TV. But still go play Catan at Hawks and Reed. Yeah, play games there. Given that we decided to call this show The Fabulous 413, we asked you, the listeners, to tell us what you think is fabulous about where we live. We're not so fabulous. We did get a couple of emails. They're saying, where's the classical? Well, there's 24 hours of classical music on NEPM.org and six hours of classical right here on 88.5 from 9 till when this show starts. Also a couple of get off my lawns. Yes, we'll get to them in a second. You can call 1-800-639-9120 and let us know what you think is fabulous or not so fabulous or at any time send us an email or voice memo at thefab413 at nepm.org. When I think of Western Massachusetts, I think of the bucolic sunsets. I feel like they don't compare anywhere else in the world but here. Maybe maybe in Jamaica, like the sunset on the beach, but I haven't been able to find a better sunset than around here. <laughs> it's here in Jamaica, folks. It's here in Jamaica. <laughs> I mean kind of facts. But also, Carol writes, it means that within close proximity, I can see a beautiful river, day hike, small mountains, go to any one of the multiple astounding museums, visit a peace pagoda, eat great food, in general be surrounded by nature and culture in an area that values equality, education, and has no traffic. All the best. Thanks to her and to Ilana Morris from PVPA for, for giving me that other wonderful quote. 1-800-639-9120 is the number to call, not just today. Not just in the two-ish minutes we have left remaining in the show, <laughs> uh, but going forward here Monday through Friday, 3 to 4 p.m., we got an excellent, I guess, mystery from Don Stryker in Florence. Here's a mystery. I drive from Northampton to Longmeadow each day for a teacher job, and I'm lucky to have a neighbor with the same commute. During the 2020 shutdown, Longmeadow was one school that stayed in school for the entire 2021 school year. During one of those drives... I spotted a religious icon about the size of a human on top of a telephone pole overlooking the city of Holyoke in 91. The icon, Mother Mary, a saint, I'm not a religious type, was somewhat hidden. It was hard to spot unless you knew exactly where to look, but it was 20 feet off the ground and on top of a telephone pole. I waited until the drive home, the second time I spotted it, to admit it to my commuting buddy that there was a saint mounted on top of a telephone pole in Holyoke. He saw it too. It was a remarkable and hard-to-find treat and a little ray of hope in a very dark period. Who did that? How did they get it up there? Wasn't it heavy? For two years, the icon was looking down on Holyoke. In the fall of 2022, it disappeared. I can still spot the telephone pole, and I've searched the web. I cannot find anyone else who knew about this. I thought perhaps we should tell you in case this is interesting enough, and maybe we can get to the bottom of it. So if you know what happened to this religious icon overlooking 91, you can email the fab 413 at NEPM.org. Because now we're curious. Yeah, we're very curious. And if you have pictures, even better, send us those too. Right. Not everything is fabulous in the 413, says Matt Barron from Chesterfield. Consider much of the 413 still without last mile high-speed broadband and on the wrong side of the digital divide in times when remote working is happening. We have large swaths of four, uh, the 413 designated as medically underserved areas. All that is true, and we're going to cover the fabulous things and the not-so-fabulous things 
I reminded uh, Matt from Chesterfield that while the show is called The Fabulous 413, uh, All Things Considered does not actually consider all things. <laughs> Although they try and so it will we. It is just the name of a show. <laughs> Sid from Pelham had similar sentiments. They said, greetings, I am unhappy to hear about your radio show, The Fab 413. I've been living here for 30 years, and in the last two years, I've noticed the Connecticut River Valley has been experiencing an influx of people moving here from New York City, paying hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking price for homes. Traffic is notably increased on roads, and the more people find out how fabulous it is to live here, the less fabulous it will be for the rest of us already living here. I actually recently had experience with this, and I'm going to end up talking to folks about how that connects to us, too. And we uh, disabused Sid of the notion that calling the show The Fabulous 413 was going to actually bring more people to move out here to the Valley. If it did that, I did promise that if they can make an actual causal relationship between that, that we could then uh, change the if name of the show. that happens, do we get commission? I don't know how that works. Okay, well, we should look into that. <laughs> tomorrow on the show we've got senator elizabeth warren will she run for the senate again we've got screenwriter sam bromell the amherst regional grad who wrote the oscar-nominated elvis movie and who will be at a screening with a one monty belmonte at amherst cinema next week i do have a bespoke Elvis costume from Aloha from Hawaii that I will be wearing as part of that conversation. You may have seen it at the Food Bank March last year. That's correct. Please ship this wet gift. <laughs> Not just a strange name. Well, yes, it is a strange name, but it's one literal clown's presentation about terrible feelings, and it's giving family audiences a chance to laugh together about feeling bad coming to the Northampton Center for the Arts this weekend. We will talk to that clown from Please Ship This Wet, wet Gift so tomorrow. <laughs> Kara Foster is the technical director and Formula One racing enthusiast. Chuck Dubay is chief engineer and punk rock and hardcore music expert. Betsy Cordes is, Betsy Cordes is our engineer and baby whisperer. Bart Rankin swears at all of our computers for us. Tony Dunn is managing director and our designated driver. Special thanks to Graham Griffith and Matt Abramovitz for believing in the show. Music courtesy of local heroes Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Force and Far and the Brass. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Khalees Smith. See you tomorrow in the fabulous 413.